Well, friends, there is one other evidence of grace that I meant to mention to you. I got a card in the mail. It was on my desk this morning from uh, uh, Principal Karen Brown and the Riverside Elementary School staff just across the street. Uh, Sue and a number of our women put together a, a, a number of efforts this week to celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week at Riverside Elementary School. And so on Monday, they had a Panera breakfast, so bagels and coffee and all of the the goodies that come with that. And then on Wednesday, uh, they had a Jason's Deli lunch in which lunch was catered for them. And then on Friday, they had cupcakes. Uh, What better way to celebrate Friday than cupcakes? And so I wanted you to know that as a church, we are blessing that community. Uh, I wanted to thank that community of women that made uh, pulled that off and made that happen. One of our prayers when we moved into this church uh, building is that God would use us to reach that school. And he's doing that. He is doing that. Not long ago, they had an emergency in which one of their families lost everything in a house fire. And they called us and said, can you help? And we were able to help them. City Life is helping them. But we are making an impact right there at Riverside Elementary School. So again, just to encourage you in what the Lord is doing in and through Catalyst Church. Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, we are going to be in Proverbs 31 this morning. Proverbs chapter 31. If you open up your Bible uh, to the middle, you're probably going to land in the book of Psalms. Head to the right just a little bit, and you'll find Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 31 this morning. There are few territories as unknown and yet to be understood in the mind of man as that uncharted land and topic known as woman. Peter writes, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. And from Einstein to Shakespeare to Adam in the Garden of Eden, we see example after example of men often stumbling in attempts to understand the women around them. And yet, men, we are not merely called to understand the women around us. We are called to actively honor them. Exodus chapter 20, God gives us the good command. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land. Proverbs 1.8, hear my son, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, Paul writes. Yes, God calls us to honor our mothers. Jesus' first miracle in which he turned the water into wine was in obedience to his mama. So this morning, we're going to tie some rope to the tree, drop some breadcrumbs as we go, and venture into this often misunderstood territory of the women around us. Complete honesty here as we get started. Just to clarify, I try to aim for complete honesty in all of my sermons. So when I say complete honesty here, it doesn't mean everywhere else is questionable. I grew up an only child. I have no sisters. I don't know what that's like. I do not understand it. Uh, We have two boys. I do not have a daughter. I don't know what that's like. I don't understand it. There are no Barbies in our house. Uh, last night we watched a comedy about an MMA, mixed martial arts fighter. Uh, That's the world in which we live, from soccer to books about dragons to punching each other in the shoulder to see who can laugh or flinch first. That's the world in which we live. 
So I'm not an expert here, just to clarify in case there was any confusion. There is more than enough material that I simply don't understand. But as we seek this morning to honor our mothers and the women who have had influential roles in our lives, I'd like for us to turn our attention to Proverbs 31. The Bible is crystal clear in that women deserve to be honored. You cannot read your Bible and walk away with a, 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 a worldview or an understanding of the world that diminishes women. Jesus, again, from his first miracle in obedience to his mama to his last act on the cross in which he said, mother, behold your son. And he entrusted his mama again to John the apostle to the resurrected Jesus appearing first to women. The Bible is clear in its call to honor women. So any understanding of Christianity that, says, that suggests that Christianity somehow denigrates women is not biblical Christianity. So we're going to look at Proverbs 31 this morning in an attempt and in, in our uh, prayer to honor the women in our lives. So women, what do you think when you hear Proverbs 31? Is it inspirational? Is it motivating? Or is it discouraging and deflating? Proverbs 31 might be a bad idea for a Mother's Day sermon. Some translations and commentators use headings such as the ideal housewife, the perfect housewife, the capable wife, a good wife, the wife of noble character. You might read headlines like that and think, no thanks, I'm checking out. I already feel guilty enough. I don't need the Bible's help on this one. Other commentators use headings. Ode to a capable wife in praise of a good wife and an alphabet of wifely excellence. It's a dangerous text when used as a comparison. It's a bad companion in that sense. Like the time we hang out with someone who is wildly smart and we feel like an absolute ignoramus as the Cracker Barrel game would describe us. We spend time with a friend who is incredibly patient and we feel, we leave feeling like a quick-tempered time bomb just waiting to go off. We spend time with a friend who is great at keeping a seemingly clean house and we come home to the mountain of laundry and yesterday's dirty dishes and socks whose match has long since disappeared to who knows where. This Mother's Day, I don't want you to feel crushed by comparison. I want you to feel honored and built up by the word. I want you to be reminded that your perfect record does not rest in your performance as a mother. Your perfect record rests in Jesus. Remember what Jesus says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The devil would love to keep you, mothers, out of the Bible. And if he can't do that, then he would love to twist it so that you feel destroyed by the Bible. But no verse in the Bible is merely meant to leave you crushed by comparison. It's meant to drive you to Jesus. Every verse, every story whispers his name. It all points us to Jesus. So when we come to Jesus and we say, I can't, he doesn't return with a wicked smile and say, I know. He looks with love and says, I can come to me. This passage in Proverbs 31 and every verse of the Bible is meant to drive us to Jesus. So as you turn to Proverbs 31, I want to lay a few foundational thoughts as we get started. First, it was written by a mother to her son. 
The last half of Proverbs 31 was written by a mother to her son. This is what matters most in the wife you are choosing to marry. Imagine a mother who with tears and compassion is trying to prepare her boy. She's calling him to ignore the loud shouts of culture, which says, look for these things in the wife that you're choosing. Look for these things, culture says. And this mother is through tears saying, no, 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 look for this. Now, that may not be very helpful for some of us. Maybe your mother-in-law isn't all that great. And if you're the bride, you're feeling like, yeah, she wrote a list for her boy before we got married of all the things his wife should be. And it's everything I'm not. But what this mother was saying to her son was not, if she's not these things, don't waste your time. But rather, boy, you better cultivate these qualities in the woman you marry. You see, in short, the original intended audience was not young women, but young men. So Proverbs 31 is written to young men. Marry a woman you will be glad to honor and be a man she would be glad to honor. And even if you don't ever get married, Proverbs 31 applies. Cultivate these qualities in your own life, in your own heart, and in the lives and hearts of those around you. So it's written by a mother to her son. Secondly, it's an acrostic poem, meaning it goes from A to Z. It is poetry. It's meant to be read as poetry. It is not a historical account. So when we read in verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maiden. It's, it, that doesn't mean that your alarm clock always has to go off before the sun comes up. It's poetry. It's meant to be read as such. This isn't a demanding description of every characteristic a woman should perfectly embody. One pastor tells us that the qualities given in Proverbs 31 are like pearls strung on a necklace. So let's look at Proverbs 31, beginning at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. Some of us might think of Trader Joe's, right? She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her husband and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. Probably a 50% off deal, something like that going on. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her husband, does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. The third foundational point is that we can all learn from this woman. There are qualities here that everyone in the room ought to be pursuing and that nobody in the room has, perfect, has completed perfectly. Women, single or married, you can pursue these qualities, not under compulsion, but by the loving leadership of God who is conforming you into the image of Jesus. Single men, these are qualities which you are to honor in women and cultivate both in yourself and in others. Married men, these are the qualities which we ought to be cultivators of. That word husband means means to cultivate. So husbands, let me just ask, does your wife look more like Jesus because she's married to you? Are you an active agent in her growth in holiness? God gives us good gifts in community. We saw that in the young mothers group, meeting together for community and Christ-like encouragement. Husbands, you are to be cultivating those attributes in your family. You see, this passage, when we use it as a mirror by which to judge ourselves, may crush us. We leave it feeling absolutely inadequate. When we use it as a magnifying glass by which we highlight the failures and faults of others, it will crush them. But Proverbs 31 and no passage of scripture gives you the right to stand above others and say while looking down on them, I'm sorry, you just don't measure up. Again, in fact, men, the first 30 chapters of Proverbs are aimed directly at you. So make sure you've got those covered before you hold, start holding up chapter 31 to the women in your life. Where Proverbs 31 tells young men to pursue these qualities in their future wives, Scripture calls all of us to honor these qualities in our mothers. Proverbs 31, verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. This is what it means to honor your mother. Now, why does God call us to honor our mothers? Because in honoring them, we honor him. And in dishonoring them, we dishonor him. The point is not simply for you to acknowledge the nice qualities or characteristics in your mama, though you should do that. Right? The point is for you to see those as sunbeams and rays and trace the ray back up to the sun. Trace the Christ-like characters and qualities back up to the source, namely God. When we dishonor our mothers, we dishonor God, we essentially say, God, why did you give me that? But let's turn our attention to Proverbs 31 briefly as we seek this morning to honor our mothers. Four brief reasons to honor our mothers. Number one, honor your mother who has served you. Who has served you? Proverbs 31 verse 15. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. There are few jobs as rigorous and demanding as that of mama. According to one survey, stay-at-home moms work an average of 94 hours a week. I would say that's an underestimate, right? They should make around $150,000. But instead of that, they get a day. President Truman is credited with saying, it's amazing how much you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. Well, moms don't normally have the option of caring who gets the credit. You're not really looking for credit when you get up in the middle of the night to take care of a sick child. You're not looking for credit when you sit at the dining room table night after night and help a struggling student with their math homework. You're not worried about getting credit when you pick a crying child up or get down on the floor to play Legos or trains or when you sit on the couch and read a bedtime story. You're not in it to get credit. You're just in it. 
and for your service, you ought to be honored. What a beautiful picture of Jesus the mother paints. What an image of the king who stooped down to wash the disciples' feet. What a glimpse of the suffering servant who came not to be served, but to serve. The gospel leads us to serve others because we in Christ have been served. We honor our mothers as they remind us of Jesus. Honor your mother for she has served you. Number two, honor your mother who has influenced you. She's influenced you. Verse 26, she opens up her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Repeatedly throughout the Proverbs, we are called to not forsake our mother's teaching. We are called to hold on to it, to remember it, to cling to it. Mom, sometimes this comes in the form of a text message sent by that college student about whom you worry daily. They're still seeking your wisdom, your words of kindness, your words of affirmation, and some chocolate chip cookies, and maybe some cash. But wisdom, we honor our mothers as one of the primary vessels through which God has influenced us. You're not just a mom. You're one of the primary components of our growth. You're a disciple maker. There are countless decisions that your children have made which you influenced for the better, whether you know it or not. Can you imagine where that fool would be were you not his mother? Don't answer out loud. Just clarify. Now, you can't take responsibility for every bad decision your child makes, but you can absolutely take some credit for the good decisions that they stumble upon. You have influenced them. What a picture of God, our creator, who speaks with wisdom into our lives, who has not left us to figure out life on our own, but has given us a sufficient word by which to measure and guide our lives. Honor your mother who has influenced you. Thirdly, honor your mother who has put up with you. She's put up with you and she's been productive for you. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household does not eat the bread of idleness. How many of us, and again, don't answer out loud, gave our mothers every reason to say, okay, that's it, I quit. But they didn't. She put up with you. There are times when, you're, when you love your children and times when you tolerate them. Dave Ramsey asks the question, how many of us have had enough kids to have a stupid one? I'm not sure what I think about that as an only child. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought that through before this moment right now. Sometimes the Lord gives you wisdom and you just don't know what to do with it. She displayed the steadfast love of God towards his people. One way to describe the storyline of the Bible, the entire Bible, is to highlight the pattern. God lovingly called his people to be holy. They did the exact opposite. God lovingly called his people to be holy. They did the exact opposite. God lovingly called his people to be holy. They did the exact opposite. You see the pattern. But moms, you are painting a picture of God's love. That's what steadfast mothers do. Not only does she display the steadfast love of God towards you, she has displayed the costly love of God towards you. You realize, I hope, that God's love towards you came at a cost to him, the cost of his only son. It's similar among a mother's love for her children. It's costly. She laid down her life for you. She considered you more significant than herself, more times than you'll ever know. Let us honor her. 
for she put up with us. She was productive for us. Number four, finally, honor your mother who fears the Lord. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Moms, here's the key. Here's the key. You take this component out and the rest of it falls apart. Let every other word of Proverbs 31 get you to this. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Let everything you do be done out of a healthy fear of God. Not a fear that makes you run from him, but a fear that makes you run to him. A fear of where you would be without him. A fear of your children's lives without the Lord. A fear of your husband who cared financially for you but never cared for your soul. A fear of having any component of your life where God is not known as God. Again, the question that we'll sometimes ask is, is God a good idea to you or is he a governing reality? Let him be a governing reality. The book of Proverbs paints for us two competing ways of life, wisdom and folly. Throughout the book of Proverbs, Lady Wisdom calls to young men and invites them to walk on her path. At the same time, folly chases men down and causes them to fall. Women, you want to be a woman of wisdom, not a woman of folly. And at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, we read the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So is God supreme to you? Is he all satisfying? Or are you tempted to believe that you need God plus something? Dave Bounds has been a hero in the ministry in my life for years. He shared an eye-opening story one time in which he told me that in his counseling, he did a lot of counseling throughout his ministry, he once met with five individual young ladies between the ages of 18 and 25. He had five individual meetings going on at the same time, all young women between 18 and 25, and they all struggled with depression. And through the course of the counseling, he uncovered that behind their depression was a lie that they had believed that by that point in their life, they should be married and have children. And because they weren't measuring up to that, it had so many implications and they were caught in this uh, depression because they were not meeting an, ex an assumed expectation. I can only imagine that there is a similar temptation in motherhood. There is a lie that I believe every mother is tempted to believe. And I want to expose that lie very briefly for you this morning and replace it with two truths. We're going to put this up on the screen so that you can see it. Here's the lie. If I were a really good mom, I would be blank by now. If I were a really good mom, I would be blank by now. And if you're not in motherhood, you can change that around. If I were a really good mom, though, I would be blank by now. If I were a really good mom, I would be in better physical shape by now. If I were a really good mom, my marriage wouldn't have failed. If I were a really good mom, I'd be more emotionally stable by now. If I were a really good mom, I'd have gotten over that horrible event by now. If I were a really good mom, I would be blank by now. Remember what Jesus said earlier, the devil comes as a thief to lie, kill, and destroy. And he uses lies just like this one to do it. But I want to replace that lie with two gospel truths for moms. Number one, your perfect record is secure in Jesus. 
It's secure in Jesus. The wisdom of Proverbs flows from the good and gracious God who created you and is recreating you in Jesus. His commandments are not burdensome. His word is not to make you weary from your own efforts, but to make you dependent on him. Your perfect record is not in your ability to fulfill everything written in Proverbs 31. Your perfect record is not in a perfectly kept home, all the laundry folded and put away. Children who are well behaved, or at least when everyone else is looking. It's not getting back to pre-baby weight. It's not getting to the grocery store and being able to remember what you went there for. It's not in home-cooked meals every night of the week. Your perfect record is in Jesus, period. Don't look anywhere else or you will find yourself discouraged. Your perfect record is in Jesus. So look to him. And keep looking to him. And when you're tempted to look somewhere else, say, no, 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 that's dumb. Let me go back and look again to Jesus. And number two, your areas of growth cannot undo your perfect record, which is secure in Jesus. The author of Hebrews said that the Bible is like a sword that pierces us. It divides us and exposes us. Often it reveals areas of our lives in which God is calling us to grow. This in no way undoes your perfect record, which is secure in Jesus. Because you are not identified by your own perfect performance, you are free to grow in grace. So grow in those areas. Go for it. Nobody in the room is expecting you to be perfect. Nick Saban is a well-known football coach who has often said that to his players, don't be obsessed with winning, be obsessed with the process. Don't be obsessed with winning, be obsessed with the process. Moms, don't be so caught up with winning, whatever that might be for you, dinner on the table at the right time, every piece of laundry folded and put away, perfectly well-behaved children, again, at least when everyone else is looking, your kids in the cutest, latest brand of clothes. Don't obsess with winning, obsess with the process, fearing the Lord and helping those around you fear the Lord. You are an instrument a vessel of the grace and goodness of the God who created sunrises and sunsets, red roses and daylilies, thunderstorms that roll in and make us stand in awe, and the God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. Moms, you are arrows pointing in the right direction. So keep pointing us to Jesus and keep pointing yourselves to Jesus. And when you hear the devil whisper to you, if you were a really good mom, you'd be blank by now. You tell him, no, 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 no. No, my perfect record is secure in Jesus. I want you to go ahead and grab the communion elements that are in the pews in front of you.